Hello and welcome to the sixth episode of the Back in the Day podcast. This podcast is titled, Who'd Be a Referee? I'm your host, Gary, and I welcome my guest, Tony. How are you, mate? Good afternoon, Gal. Yeah, all good. Thank you, mate. All good. All good. And uh, Tony's uh, sporting his Spurs top today, so uh, as a proud Spurs fan, and we're going to hear some of those stories today, aren't we? So... Just, just a few, but I won't, I won't bore you with too many of them because I know there's quite a few um, Hammer fans out there listening. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, I'll, I'll tread carefully with you guys. All right, mate. Nice one. Um, so, just a bit of background for our listeners on how uh, how we know each other. This is actually the first time we've um, we've spoken really in person, um, and it's for a mutual friend, Andy, who was on our second uh, podcast, Euro '96, um, and. Andy did exactly what I wanted him to do, was pass the pod, which he did, and he passed it to you, didn't he, Tony? He did indeed, and uh, I must say, take this opportunity, Andy's a very top, you know, very top guy, top bloke. Um, much respect for him, you know, in everything that he does, and um, yeah, he passed the pod. Um, I've been listening to the first five, and although all very different, all very interesting, and, and I can relate to a lot of the things that were that were discussed, so... I thought, yeah, it's nice to get involved if, if you'd have me um, talk, talk a bit of refereeing and a bit of football. Yeah, no, it sounds sounds great. And you're you're right. And I'll, I'll reiterate what you said about Andy as well. He's a top top bloke. So, um, yeah, thanks to him for uh, for passing over to you. And I'm glad you've, uh, you've listened and you're enjoying. Um, so before we talk about our topic today, I'm just going to go through some comments from episode five which was uh coming your o's with neil last week um paul who was on episode three football songs um just talked about the efl really can they do more to help clubs out without like a barry hearn having to emerge and save clubs as such um and he said you still hope for relatable players like terry howard um and he said he messaged mccauley bond uh the other day with a comment and he replied um which is quite nice of you know when footballers do reply to like tweets and things like that um, nowadays um and neil said um he just said like we're seeing the efl clubs fail more and more and berry was just the latest example and unfortunately um more to follow but um neil also added back to paul that he loves macaulay bond as well so uh, they've got a mutual footballer they, uh, they like there so um so they really did comments from there and just a little uh, update for everyone that um the sponsorship is going really really well for um surprisingly for me singing um free lions i don't think it's got anything to do with me singing free lions i think it's the fact that uh it's for a wonderful charity which is for francis hospice of course which is related to our mutual friend andy so we're at the moment we're currently at 240 pounds to listen to me sing so uh that's not bad is it so that's quite uh quite impressed with that so um and it's obviously for a good cause it's raising some money for francis hospice and people get to hear that in episode 10 uh luckily or unluckily however you want to take it so um we move on tony into your your pod today um and your topic of refereeing but there are some other bits and pieces that you want to touch upon today um so why have you chosen this topic tony yeah, Gal. Um, I think it's just a pretty good question, really. I mean, who would be a referee? I mean, that's the first thing. Um, 
question. I mean, would you want to be? Would you be a referee as an ex-player? Um, it's, it's a good question to ask. Um, maybe why would you know? What why do people become referees? And I'll tell you my story. Um, obviously, as we as we speak today. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've been a referee myself for 26 years now. So a long time. Oh, yeah, um, got, it's a long time. Up to a half decent level. And then um, now I don't do as much these days, but just do a few bits and pieces. Um, but just wanted to touch on a few things uh, and a few things coming off of refereeing that to do with football um, uh, as well. And just, I was just about to say, um, £240 to hear you sing. How much would it cost us to not hear you sing? I mean, could, we go, <laughs> could we go 250 for you not to sing, maybe? Well, that you know, what, you know if, we, if, we get, if we get more money for the hospice, I'll go for, yeah, whatever. I'll, uh, I'll gladly not sing. So, uh. speaking, of, speaking of the hospice, um, obviously, like a, a mutual friend, Andy, who does a lot of good work for them, um, slightly football related as well, again. Um, where we know each other, Andy and I, is to do with we both run like mobile DJ businesses and we do a lot of mobile discos and stuff, yeah. obviously weekends. And I've done a few gigs for St. Francis Hospice. Um, and on one particular gig, he was chaperoning um, for Trevor Brooking. Obviously, you might have mentioned that, mentioned that before on one of your previous podcasts. I don't know. Yeah, it's quite a link. Yeah. yeah, I've done the, um, the Santafons before at Dagenham Redbridge. And yeah. Trevor Brookings, um, you know, cut the ribbon and all of that. So, and let been there. so, so. it was an honour, even though being a Spurs fan, it was an honour because Andy was looking after him and I was doing the music. And it was an honour. I just said, and if you get a minute, can you, you know, can I have a photo, I'll shake his hand, and just to um, appreciate, you know, you know, a good role model, a good man, good footballer. And you know that, you know, he, he called me over, um, and it was lovely to have a photo with him, shake his hand, and. Yeah, so that was that, that was a nice touch. Um, so yeah, well, you know, it's a good footballing um, memory, even, even though he's always staying. One of the one of the gents of the game, isn't he? He's sort of he's old he school, is. isn't he? Old school gent. So um, and you speaking and, of Dagenham Redbridge as well. There's a lot of connections. Um, I didn't want to call it Dagenham Redbridge because we've had um, like the Man United and we've had Leighton Orient. So I didn't yeah. really want to call it Dagenham Redbridge, but because me coming from Dagenham and having a lot of association with Dagenham Redbridge. That will probably come up a few times in today's chat as well, you know. Just yeah. I want you to, to to call it ref, you know, who'd want to be a referee basically, because that's more of a a catchy kind of title, and that's something that I've done for a long time as well. Yeah, and and making another link there as well um, that Neil, who was on our podcast last week, um, late yeah. Orient fan Neil, um, he's been going through his refereeing. Uh, like badges and things like that because uh, um, yeah, he's a teacher as we mentioned last week and he's always done refereeing as such you know on school games and things so oh, okay. he's he going through that process now? as well sorry is he, is he a PE teacher you say yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so I've got another another sort of slight link to that as well so it's good that you know all these, all these sort of um, they, they link together all these yeah. topics because you know I, I'll talk later on a little bit about um about um, going into schools and talking about refereeing and, and the laws of the game as well. So yeah, of course, that's another little link for that might interest some people as well. We love a link. I think uh, we love a link. I love a link. It's a teacher thing. I think <laughs> <laughs> do it every day. Um, so let's start first of all. Um, you know your journey through football, really, Tony. Because um, I mean, obviously you had that journey to get to refereeing as such, um, like 
your interest in football and so on. So over to you, really, how, how sort of your love for the game started, really. Yeah, um, starting from, like, you know, my, my, my earliest memories, really, would have been um, seven or eight years old, late 70s, um, with my dad. I suppose you've got to blame your dad. Um, brought me up as a Spurs fan, started to take me to the games, me and my brother. Um, in the days where it was all, all terraces, no seats, and when you had, when you had, you know, a dad taking his two boys to a game, you would, I don't know if you remember, or whether you heard stories, they'd take the old milk crate from the old, um, from, from the old milk floats, so used to give you milk. Yeah. And so you've got like a bit of a step, I mean, I probably still need it now, because I'm not that tall, but, <laughs> going there with the crate, we used to, most of the gentlemen in there, well, they see a couple of young boys, they'll, they'll let you go to the front so you can get a good view. And my dad had put the crate down. First half, I'll be standing on the crate. My brother would be up on his shoulders. And then the second half, we'll, we'll change. I'll go on his shoulders and my brother will be on the crate. And then yeah, my dad, I remember my dad saying, like, I can't wait to get home so I can actually watch some of the game because I didn't see a thing during that game. So, um, yeah, his early, early memories um, being taking down the lane and just enjoying the atmosphere. Um, and then creeping into the sort of the 80s, well, I suppose we'll give West, West Ham a mention. Obviously, they won the, um, the FA Cup in 80. Yeah, um, we did. It's last, <laughs> last time. <laughs> do, do you remember that? Do you remember that? I wasn't quite born. It was uh, <laughs> two years later. <laughs> but I'm holding on to the fact that I've seen West Ham win at Wembley. It might have been a playoff final, but uh, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll I'll hold on to that. <laughs> to be honest, I don't even think I remember that actual game, the West Ham game. I don't, I don't remember that because I had no interest in it. Uh, and just being that year, that you know, that year younger, I think I was just, you know, just 79, probably going to the games and really getting yeah. into it and having my earliest memories. But really, coming into the final after that, or the two finals after that, um, when Spurs went on to win like the two finals, would have been 81, which would have been the great Ricky Villa goal. Of course, uh, yeah. Against Man City, uh, which you might have seen on TV if he still wasn't born. Yeah, um, I've, I've seen that goal a lot of times. Like, it's interesting. We Going back to a previous podcast with, with Paul, the football songs one, and we yeah. touched upon Spurs with the songs, and that was around that time, wasn't it? Ozzy Ardenas and Ricky Villa. Wembley, yeah. 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 So he's partnering in crime, Ricky Villa, the Argentine. Yeah. So that was that one in the, eight, in the 81, uh, and that was a really good cup final. And then the year later, the 82, we was playing QPR, which, I mean, they were underdogs. They was in, they was in the league below. So they was pure underdogs. Um, and... I think everyone thought Spurs would walk it based on what they did last previous season. And they, they struggled. They, they scraped a draw and then went into a replay. And then they just won with a Glenn Hoddle penalty. And we'll come on to Glenn Hoddle as well as, yeah. you know, later on as one of my, my um, favourite Tottenham players and idols. Um, so that was that. And then those were the days where we, we actually needed a trophy cabinet. Uh, we don't know more. Uh, we could probably fit all the trophies that we've got. <laughs> Spurs and West Ham can probably fit all the trophies. <laughs> you know, we, we can share a cabinet and still have plenty of space. Well, yeah, but we probably could, yeah, definitely. Um, so, in, 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 it's in been a while days. since yeah, we've added to our trophy cabinets, yeah. Yeah, so, which is a shame. But but then again, we, we, you know, we talk about football and things like that nowadays. That, and I mean, it's a discussion in itself, but... You know, it's a lot of it's about league position now rather than 
actually picking up silverware, isn't it? And um, yeah. to a lot yeah. of lot of clubs, and which is a yeah. shame because you know I, we we touch upon a, a, a club that you know more rivals for yourself, but Arsenal that went through years of you know finishing fourth for success to get in the Champions League. It's for money, isn't it? It's money purposes, and that's where that's the it. game is at the moment. So, that's it. That's um, whereas, like, sort of, you know, the us fans, I'd, I'd love to see West Ham win a bit of silverware, you know, um, and as you would with Spurs. You would, but I, I still think that um, a lot, a lot of Spurs fans. I, I don't know. I think it's the impression of other teams thinking that we have to win silverware. But I think if you ask most Spurs fans, it, it, they just want to see good football and, and for them to do well. You know, good, exciting games, value for money. Like like they have done in the past, like in the yeah. 80s, early eighties, really good, really good um, cup side. Um, and moving on to the nineteen eighty four, where where they um, another great final in the UEFA Cup, where where they come and I think there was about six minutes to go when they got the equaliser, um, went into extra time penalties against Anderlecht and fantastic uh, penalty shootout final. Um, so I mean that early memories, early eighties. Um, really set me up for you know for Tottenham being my side, um, and, and always then really dreaming of uh, like most young kids when you play a lot of football, maybe one day becoming a professional footballer. Um, but as you so, find yeah. out, that, that that never happened and went down another avenue. Uh, that I mean that's that's obviously we're going to touch upon that now because um, it, it was eighty four was it. I'm right in saying. Yeah, I can say another twelve. Yeah, about 12, yeah. Um, yeah about twelve. Yeah, and uh, scouted. So, do you want to talk talk to us about that then? Yeah, this one quite quite an unusual story of being scouted. Not like the standard the standard scouting that used to happen, where you know you'd get good clubs around at the time and you get the scouts going to watch. That, that's what would normally happen, and they might watch you a second or a third time. This was very unusual. I, I was just. Heading off to, I don't know if you know the area, but um, Barking Football Club. Do you know Maysbrook Park? Barking yeah, Football I know Club? Maysbrook Park. Well, I actually went to school in Dagnum. The secondary oh, did school. you? Yeah. Oh, so you know, so you know. Me yeah. too, I went to uh, Maysbrook. I went to Maysbrook. Right. Yeah. I don't know if you know that. But yeah, um, we lived, if you know the area that well then, Gal, we live near um, the Roundhouse Pub, not far. So yeah. you know the gates, you know the gates down, you know, at the bottom of the hill, um, you know, not far from the Roundhouse Pub. Yeah. So it was basically a walk through the park uh, and you could get to the Barking Football Club. Right, OK. Uh, and on this particular particular night, I think it was a midweek, possibly a mid-season friendly game. So it was like Barking um, pre-season. They might have been playing like a Tottenham Academy or something like that. So I was just going along with my uncle who was about three years older than myself. We took a football with us um, to kick through the park as we was like going to the game uh, and he was just going to hold on to it. And then at the end of the game, walk back through the park, kicking the ball again, just, you know, probably reliving, reliving some of the, some of the moments, you know, in the match. Yeah. As you do with your kids. Um, so we're watching the game first half, standing, standing behind the goal, watching the game, nothing really much happening. Players went in for half time. Me and my uncle were kicking the ball in the, in the, behind the goal in the terraces, just mucking around while waiting for the players to have their 15-minute break. And then he kicks the ball and it hits something, goes over the top, goes onto the, onto the field of play, onto the pitch, and rolls up towards the halfway line. So we thought, oh, we're in trouble here. I mean, there's not a lot of people. At Barking Football Club, probably lucky if there's 100 people there yeah. watching the game, yeah. if you're lucky. 
in even in them days. It's probably the same now, or maybe less. I don't know. Be quite similar, um, yeah. You know, I think they were in possibly the the old sort of equivalent to the old Ryman League, maybe sort yeah. of semi-pro kind of club. So anyway, I've stupidly thought, well, I, better, I need to get on and get this before we get told off by some of the officials. So I've I've run on to get the ball, and back in the day, I, I was quite handy with the old kick-ups, the, the old keepy-ups. Oh yeah, practice all the time, and I was pretty handy. And I thought rather than just I don't know what made me do it, but rather than just going and picking the ball up, scooping it and quickly running off. I just found myself like kicking it up and doing a few like little pickups, like yeah. as I was taking the ball back to the towards the goal. Right, left, right, left, couple on the knees. And I thought I'd uh, just maybe showing off a little bit, just to the to the fifty or sixty crowd that yeah, may have been. Played up to the crowd. <laughs> yeah, played to the crowd, got a few little cheers and I thought that'd be the end of it. I'll just walk off. But Funny enough, the, the one of the goalkeepers, they come out early because they wanted to do a few stretches. So as the goalkeepers come out, as I'm doing these little kick-ups, and he thought, like, what's going on here? But sorry, you know, as a young boy, come on, son, give us a few shots. So I'm, I'm, I'm now testing out the keeper, still having his little, having his little stretches in his warm-up, while all the players are still in the half-time interval. So it's quite comical, didn't think much of it. So it probably all went on, this went on for about five or six minutes, a few different shots, control kick-ups, um, come off with a ball because all the players started coming back out. You better go, son. Off you go. So anyway, went back round. A couple of minutes later, there's a fellow walking towards me and I thought, oh, he looks quite official. I think we're going to get told off for, uh, <laughs> for going on the pitch. Um, he says, excuse me, son, you know you're not supposed to be on the pitch. I said, yeah, I know. Sorry, I just went to get the ball and I got carried away. Sorry. He said, never mind that. Never mind that. He says, um, I'm actually a football scout. So he said, um, who are you with? Like, is your father around or anyone around? So I said, I'm just with my uncle when he's only a couple of years older than myself. So he, he said, I'll tell you what. He said, um, take my card and please give this to your dad and, get, and ask him to give me a call. Um, we, we could give you some trials for Tottenham. Right, OK. Um, and obviously at the time, as we've just discussed, Tottenham, they're my side, aren't they? Because... We're talking now 84, and we've just had the 81, 82 that we just spoke about. Um, I'm not sure whether the 84 UEFA UEFA Cup was played at the time. I don't know, or we was around that time. Yeah. Um, so it was massive for me to, to actually get that and, you know, think, is this actually genuine? I mean, I don't know who this guy is. Yeah. Later I found out it was a very, um, a very high-profile prof- um, scout of the, back in the day. Right, his name okay. is Len Cheeswright, who, who I think has a lot of connections or did have a lot of connections with a lot of East London, uh, North London clubs, you know, like Orient, West Ham even, and Spurs. So, um, and he'd been going for years and years and, and found a lot of good players. So, that was nice. Um, I remember running home after the game, running home and telling my dad, and he said, no, what are you talking about? And I said, no, ring him, ring him. So, he rang him, and that was... That was um, the start of me thinking I was going to be half decent at football. And I actually got a year. I went training at Tottenham at, at, at their ground and in their, you know, in their halls for one, one whole season, one year. Oh, amazing. And That's pretty did, good. What, what, they didn't really play a lot of games back in them days. But what they did was every year they assessed. So as you got a bit older, they, they, they let some go and they brought some more in. And yeah. as you got closer to obviously 15, 16, and then deciding whether you was big enough or good enough. And I lasted a year, and then after one year, they let me go. So 
that was the end of my little dream. But it was a nice way to, um, quite a unique way of getting, getting scared. Yeah, and uh, it, it, it justifies you uh, going to do your kick-ups on that pitch, doesn't it, really? You know, to get a year out of uh, coaching at yeah. Spurs, which is your yeah. club, I mean. And also uh, got three, uh, three pounds a week they pay me for my uh, travelling expenses. Oh, so, did they? Like, return, return, and that's in 84. Yeah. So how much was your expenses from, like, from Dagenham to Tottenham? Yeah. Um, and, and I remember getting three pounds a week, like you used to get at the end of the training session. Right, yeah. You go up and they they write down your expenses, your name, and they give you free, give you three pound, <laughs> three pound for your. Uh, so yeah, back back in the day. All right, no, not, that's a great story, and um, yeah. similar to sort of what I touched upon in the first episode about you know being a West Ham fan, being scouted for West Ham, and and then Yoantz went on and talked about sort of how how he'd um, been very successful close, in clubs. He, he got- he got close. I he got close and yeah, he was, yeah, you know, around sort of 18, 19 and he never forgive Jesper Blomqvist and Alan Kirby. Yeah, I remember so, that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't get quite, I didn't do quite as well. Didn't do quite as well, but I got a year out of it for, you know, for the club that I supported. So it was, it's, it's a good, um, a good experience and a nice story. And you'll always have that memory, won't you? So, which yeah. is what it's yeah. all about. Um, so you're interested in Spurs, obviously, You've you've seen them have um, have that success, and then you know you've had your scouted experience as well, and then we come on to you know who you said earlier your your idol Glenn Hoddle, um, and we've talked a little bit about Glenn uh, already in these podcasts with his uh, with his singing, and didn't really touch upon his football as such, but we're going to give him a bit of justice on his football because he was a fantastic footballer and. You know, I've seen footage and things like that. There's one particular goal, and you'll probably remember at the lane when um, he just run right through the middle on the halfway line and just one touch right foot, left foot, and he just went through two defenders and just weaved yeah. his way through and took it around the keeper and tapped it in. Just simple. Uh, yeah. Well, looked simple. Uh, but to a lot of other players, that wouldn't have been a simple thing. But uh, so, yeah, I mean, I've seen I've seen clips and things like that. And he was still playing in, in the 90s when he went to Chelsea and become um, player manager at Chelsea, didn't he? Um, yeah, so I saw yeah. a little bit of him growing up as such, but towards the end of his career. Um, yeah. But I'll let, yeah. let you talk about, sorry, I'm sort of taking over a bit. No, there, but... I, mean, I mean, I've not got loads to say about Glenn, just apart from just, you know, just his attributes and just his skill, his technique, watching him live at, at, at the ground. Um, just the way he played, it was like so, it was so silky smooth, you know, it, 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 it would never, I mean, he'd hardly ever get into the penalty area or tackle or header, but you've got other players to do that and he was, he was just a man to defenders will pass the ball to him. He'll make himself a, a couple of yards, a couple of little tricks, give himself a bit of space and he'll just ping the ball, you know, ping, you know, where, wherever he wanted it to go, he would ping it either foot. Um, and as well, dangerous around the edge of the box with his, with his shooting and his goals. And just um, someone that you'd, You'd you'd aspire to be like if you ever, if you ever was to become or me personally you know playing in the midfield it's the kind of position and what I would aspire to be like if if I was to ever have be you know become a decent footballer but yeah it never happened so I just had to to watch Glenn and we'll, we'll touch on it later on but the the um the roles were reversed a good thirty years later from the days of of me watching him watching him from uh, the terraces and. Um, we'll go on to something later on uh, at Dagman Redbridge Football Club, which we right, spoke okay. previously. 
So, I mean, obviously, you've been scouted as well as, as we said. So, but you're still playing football. You're playing for your childhood clubs and um, the old Echo League, which I used to play in back in the day as well. So, yeah, well, I was one. Yeah, I was wondering, uh, Gal. Um, yeah, like the, some of the teams you'd play for. Whether you'd heard of the teams. I mean, some of them are still around now, but if you've heard of some of the teams that I used to play and some of the listeners might have done as well, like Dagnum United that are still around now. Dagnum yeah. United boys, obviously big, big in Dagnum, um, been going for donkey's years. Um, and I think I was just, I may have just been with them or just left them at the time that I was scouted. Uh, and then I was with my mate at JFC, Jay's Boys. I don't know if yeah, that's Jay's Boys, yeah. Over Jay's Triangle boys. Park. That's it. Over like, oh, yep. And then, and then I was, then I played for Lakeview and another team, sort of like Ilford Lane. That, that yeah, remember Lakeview? Yeah, played That's it. it. So, they're, they're sort of like the early days. And then as I got to sort of more, um, you know, my my late teens, then sort of moving into sort of like youth, um, and then men's club, which would have been probably teams you wouldn't, you might not have heard of, like St Leonard's and then Shelton, Shelton United. Um, and then that that then brings me on to. Um, well, we come on to it after we've talked about the, um, you know, the fourth topic. But where I finished at Shelton was, I, I just remember we had um, a cup final, um, and that was pretty much my last game because I just took the referees' course. And I remember wow. losing the cup final. I think, I think we lost it four 0 But I knew then I just passed the uh, the referee course, so I knew that would be my last game. And it probably was my last proper game to this date, really, like proper game. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, I just uh, went, went into refereeing without even knowing probably six months beforehand that I was ever going to do that. Um, but uh, so I'll tell you, tell you a bit of that story about that a bit a bit later on after the um, the next little story. Yeah. So, I mean, that was what, cup, you said cup final. So it's not a bad way to finish, is it, really? Is it cup final? You said a yeah, cup, it was cup final. That was my cup last final. game. Yeah, we, but yeah. we did lose though. We did lose. Uh, we oh, did man. lose. But uh, yeah, that's, that was my last game. And I think that, that is your last been, game. I think that might have been over Dagenham Redbridge as well. The cup oh, right, final, okay. I think. So a lot of connections with the Daggers. Yeah, I mean, uh, like we some of those clubs obviously mentioned. I recognise the names I play against them as well. Um, the club I play for as boy was EMH, so in Hornchurch. Yes, I remember um, them. Yep. So, yeah, we played in the Echo League and uh, some of my friends actually played for Dagnum United and we went to the same school in Dagnum and uh, I scouted them over to us. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah, so they stopped playing for Dagnum and they come and play for for us. But, yeah, just like for mutual friends and things like that. But, yeah, good times. I played, God, like, you know, right through till I think the age of 16 yeah. Um, in like the Echo Leagues and things like that so um, I'll tell you what the, yeah. good, the good sides were that I remember I don't know if they were good um, sort of like you're talking you're talking about another 10 years maybe another 10 years further on but the, the good sides then were like um, Pegasus I don't know if you heard of Pegasus and yeah. uh, Ridgeway which I think David Beckham did David Beckham used to play for Ridgeway? Is that yeah he played for Ridgeway yeah um, so all kind you know around this kind of area and, uh, and I, I remember Pegasus being a very good side as well having all, having all the the players that would have been scattered and playing for like pro clubs, but then they'll play for Pegasus in the on the Sunday mornings. So yeah, we we played against uh, us and um, Pegasus. We we went down to the um, it was like the second division uh, one yeah. season, and um, it was us and Pegasus going for the title. Actually, they just they just pipped us. So we were the other nearly men. 
we we nearly good, good we nearly won trophies. Good pedigree. Good pedigree. Yeah. Um, but yeah, next next topic then um, you wanted to talk about, and you, you asked me the question before we before, didn't you? About do I remember the the polls and the Litwoods polls? And uh, no, I do. I do remember it. Um, I did because I, it's an age an age kind of thing because it sort of fizzled out when the lottery started. And that's right. Yeah. I'm thinking you might have to be probably like sort of mid to late thirties to maybe remember as a youngster that yeah. you know someone used to go around and collect the collect the pools. Yeah, I remember that, and I remember um, following teletext as well for results and all that. That's and, it, teletext yeah. and and the oracle as well. The oracle. Yeah. On the on the, yeah. on the other side, I think it might have been so you had BBC and then you had the ITV. So you had That's the oracle it. and the, I think the code. I think the code number was. Um, 301 for the scores, 301 right. or 141 for the other side. Oh, I'm remembering the codes now. That's a good memory, that is. Yeah, I'm remembering the codes. <laughs> so, you've um, so this was 1990, wasn't it? The polls you wanted to talk about, round about, round about, about that yeah. time, 1990. So, for those that don't know the polls, the Littlewoods polls, um. There were other companies like um, I think Vernon's and Zeppers as well, but Littlewoods were the main were the main company. So for those that don't know what the pools is, we used to have a, a round. I used to go around with my dad and his dad before that, and we used to have a round where we'd go around. All the coupons would have all the fixtures on for the following Saturday, and there'll be like permutations for you to pick like score draws and things like that. Yeah. So it was sort of. A betting, betting on football, but before really the lottery come along and everyone started putting the money into that and it fizzled out really as a, uh, you know, that was the end of, of the pause then. But um, going on to the story, um, as, as a younger boy, I used to go with my dad and help him and he'd say, do that, do, do that door, knock on that one, you know, and you'd, you'd give him the coupon for the following week and you'd pick up, you'd pick up the coupon on a Wednesday or a Thursday ready to go in for this Saturday. So, all their um, games would go in, and then I just remember I remember him sending me to um, a house where I've, I've been to many times before. But on this particular occasion, the, the the old man in there, the old boy, started talking to me, and I just thought, well, is it you know is this going to without being rude to him, is it going to take long? Because I've got loads to do. It's, it's raining, and I just want to crack on and get this done and yeah. get the round done, and you know earn a bit of pocket money, and then. <laughs> But, um, <laughs> Go and get a ball with those kick-ups. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. He, he, we're, we're talking just off of uh, Parsos Avenue, just one of the roads off of there. Yeah, so, no, Parsos, yeah. You know the Parsos Avenue? Not far yeah. from the, uh, um, would have been the Parsos School, Sydney Russell School now. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we, I, I played football and cricket at Sydney Russell like, back in the day, yeah. yeah. Against Sydney Russell, like all Saints against Sydney Russell. So, yeah, yeah know it well, yeah. So just off of there, just off of there, little side road off of there. We used to do all the roads around there, like Raiden's Road, St George's, and all that. So he's, um, my dad's asked me to go and do the one as normal, and then uh, the old fella in there started getting his money and bringing the coupons, and he says, "You right, son? How are you?" Blah blah blah. He said, "Oh, my my son, my son uh, used to play a bit of football." So I said, "Oh yeah." I'm thinking, well, right, I, I ain't going to take too long this story because uh, you know what. <laughs> No disrespect, to, but you know what older people are like. They start going on, and because they've got all the time in the world, yeah, of um, course, tired. And you think, let's just hope it's uh, either a decent story or it's not going to go go on too long. But <laughs> I couldn't believe it. He says to me, "Yeah, he's he's played for West Ham, 
He's played for England. And I thought, is this guy for real? Is he like, you know, has he been smoking the funny fags or is he actually <laughs> genuine, this guy? So I said, who's that then? So he says, my boy, Martin. My boy, Martin Peters. So okay, okay. Martin Peters. Said, Martin Peters? I said, yeah. Martin Peters. He said he used to be in this very house, in this very garden, kicking the ball around with Terry Venables when he was a little boy. Telling me the story and I couldn't believe it. That I'm actually, I've been knocking on this guy's door for a few years with my dad. And he happens to be, you know, he's just a general, you know, standard Dagenham man, uh, retired. And it just shows you that the money that the guys must have got uh, um, back in the day for playing football, they didn't do it like they do now for the money, a lot of them. Not all no, of them. No, of course. They do it, they, they pay for the badge and for the club. Yeah. And it just shows you because even all them years later, when, you know, like the great Martin Peters, who's played for West Ham, Spurs, England, World Cup final goal, um, 1966 Winners' Cup medal, yeah, and his dad is still living in the same same house which he probably had as a council house um, in 1990. So yeah, and just stay stay close to their roots, clearly. So yeah, yeah, uh, and and you know these these guys, I mean nowadays he probably would have bought his dad a house, you know, somewhere, you know, some mansion somewhere, but uh, they didn't get the money them days, did they? No, they didn't. No, they played they played for the for the from the heart for their badge, didn't they, for the club? They did, and um, yeah, I mean, you touched upon that, obviously, Martin Peters, who, who sadly passed away, didn't he? Uh, recently. Recently. Very, um, very recently. But, you know, great memories. I mean, you know, he's, as you said, he scored in the World Cup final, they won that. Um, obviously, we've both got that link there with West Ham, and, and obviously he played for Spurs as well, as you mentioned. So, um, yeah. yeah, he had a good career, yeah. didn't he, Martin Peters? So. Yeah, he was. Bit, bit, a bit of a legend, bit of a legend. Yeah, um, so that brings us on to um, your refereeing then. So your referee course. Yeah, so as I said before, um, in all the years of playing, never really took any notice of the referee or never really got involved with them. I don't even remember being totally honest. I don't even remember um, even getting cautioned. Definitely wasn't sent off, sent off in my career. Cautions, I can't remember. I'm being honest. I can't remember ever being cautioned. I may have done, but I can't remember it. Um, and we, we can also ask you about your your memories of um, <laughs> yeah. maybe, maybe cautions or or, or um, recollection yeah. you know, with, with referees. Yeah, I'm happy to share with you. To be honest, like my um, my experience of referees wasn't wasn't overly bad. Um, I got I got free free bookings. And one sending off. Um, the All bookings. So All again, in All in one game. <laughs> referee yeah. made a mistake. It's a bad day, that one. Um, <laughs> but no, uh, I think my ones were, one of them was in a cup final, actually. Um, we won that cup final, but we lost the league to this team as well. So it was quite a rivalry. Yeah. And one particular player that, I just, he was near the touch shot and I basically just skipped past me. I just, I just, it was a late tackle. So it was a booking, fair play. Um, and then another one for descent. Well, 100% that's a booking, it's descent. So uh, I deserved that one. Uh, there was another one. Now, this one was when I was at uh, university and we had a really good team. And we used to play a team called uh, Lawford, Lawford Lads. And they really didn't like the uni and didn't like the uni boys. And they were all very, um, like they all knew each other in that 
that area. Yeah. And they knew we were coming down for this game and all the all the players shaved their heads for the game. And um I'll be honest with you, I think all their fans, including the women, shaved their heads for the game on the sidelines. They were proper trying to intimidate us going into the game. Yeah. Um and then my booking, I just literally do you remember when uh, George George Best uh the keeper went to kick it out and he flicked it over his head and then went and yeah. Uh, nodded it in I think yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't quite do that but uh, I sort of just went to sort of do that and um, I didn't uh, the keeper just kicked it out it wasn't it didn't really cause him any grief or anything but the ref sort of did even it out someone else had been booked for their team and I think the, the Bain crowd on the sideline were yeah. calling for it so I got booking for that um, we went on to win that game 4-2 um, which was uh, I scored in that one as well so I was yeah I'll always remember that one um, yeah, there was a lot of lot of. To be honest, like from a player's point of view, it's quite um, intimidating going off the pitch after the game because uh, they're all up for a little bit. More, well, but you know, during the game they're saying oh, after the game and all of that business, but it never really sort of happens, does it? It's all a lot of talk. Uh, but I I didn't really think about this until um, until this morning before before we came on and actually thinking from the referee's point of view. Uh, how intimidated he must have felt uh, yeah. on that day, actually, as well. And and I think I didn't really give that much thought until, like I said, thinking about that topic this morning. Yeah. Um, so, and yeah, the sending off was for Ascot, who, Neil last week, who was on the podcast, he was, he played the same team. It was a really, it was a bad foul. I mean, um, one that was very mistimed. And, but it was that shock, actually, that I never wanted to be sent off. I, I, did, I didn't really ever want a booking either. Um, and to get sent off, it was like the colour sort of drained from me, actually. I remember it. Um, and I felt I'd let my team down. Um, yeah. We didn't have enough players on the day anyway. So we'd gone down to even nine or eight players then um, in that game. And, um, but it was totally justified. And, um, but, yeah, um, no, none, none since then. So I try and um, I try and stay out of trouble. So. At, least honest, at least you're honest with your um, you know, recollection of it. And um, looking back, you, it, that's the thing, see, with the players. They, they don't realise at the time, you know, um, in the heat of the moment, heat of the game. And that's why as well, referees do have, have to have a little bit of... Um, I think they definitely do have to know the game to, uh, to understand things like that. But I yeah. think as well which we can touch on later, I think the players, they need to know, they need to have an idea of how difficult it is to, to actually be the referee. Like you like you said, you've only just thought how the referee must have felt in that game. I mean, there's 100 games every week where probably referees feel like that. Yeah. Um, where they, where they you know, try to get intimidated, teams, teams try and suss them out before the game. We're talking more park football because that's where it all starts. Of course, um, yeah. And it does tend to go... You know, the higher up the levels you go, and um, the easier it gets to referee because not only have you, not only have you got more experience, but you've also got your qualified assistant referees on the line helping you. So you're more of a team of three or four or five. Whereas over the parks, you're on your own and you're a little bit, especially when you're going for your promotions and stuff like that to try and get to the next level. You're being assessed. You've got the assessor checking that you're doing everything right, like positioning, that you're issuing the cards correctly, the cautions and the send-offs, that you're bossing the game without being arrogant, but, but you're a bit you're confident. Um, so you've got to try and keep them happy to get your marks, but then you're also getting marked by the clubs as well because their marks are going in. Yeah. You're never going to get, at all levels, you're never going to get a happy assessor 
too happy club, there's always going to be someone. Like if you if you if you please both the clubs as best you can, and there's a score draw, you get two nice marks from the club. But the assessor will probably come up with you was too lenient, this, that, and the other. Yeah. Or you can have a blinding assessing report saying you you know fantastic, you know you was uh, dynamic, and you cautioned when you had to. The send off was perfect. The six portions, he'll be happy with you. The teams, you know, they'll be going mad, and then you'll get low marks sent in from them. And yeah, the promotion it sort of works on um, both at the end of the season. They'll, they'll check all your assessors' marks. I mean, at the parks, it's most of the assessors to begin with, but as you start going up through the semi pro league, they, they take in consideration the assessors' marks and, and the club's marks, your average. Yeah, and then that's how you then get um, potentially nominated to get to the next level and the next level again. So you have to be very lucky as well as good. You have to be very lucky at the end of the season that you've had a good run with fixtures. So the fixture secretary could well help you out there, if, you know, <laughs> with, with the games because he knows he could know what what teams are good markers for referees and who like them and who don't. Yeah, um, and then have, having a lot. Of, Having a lot happen in a game, um, which gives you plenty to do and plenty to deal with, like um, a lot of incidents, if you deal with them correctly, you're going to get good marks off the assessor. If you deal with them incorrectly, you're, you're going to get poor marks off the assessor. But if you're unlucky and nothing happens, it's just like a dreary old game and there's nothing really happening, the referee can't give you really a high or low mark because you've, had, you've not been tested. So yeah, you imagine that every season and you're trying to get, you know, to the top few to get promoted to the next level, next level again, it's very difficult. You need, you need a, lot of, a lot of talent and a lot of um, experience and a lot of luck as well, or a bit of luck. Yeah, uh, and I think, I think that's a really good insight, Tony, because I don't think a lot of, you know, a lot of our listeners are, are football fans, obviously, first and foremost, and yeah. probably for playing the game and watching the game. And yeah. I think it's, that's why... I was really looking forward to doing something like this and talking to you about referees and, and talking about that process because although you, you kind of think, oh yeah, they must go through a process or whatever, but it's only you talking about it that you kind of, yeah. you start to understand that process as such. Um, and like I said, Neil, for instance, who was on last week, he's going through that process um, yeah. and um, he might he might well talk to you about this afterwards, yeah. after this podcast. So Yeah, it'd be nice to hear from him if he needs any, any assistance. If I can help in any way, any any advice, and then yeah. happy, happy to help him if he's local um, and I have time, I'll come over and watch him if, when, when he has his first few games. Yeah. Um, going on to like like um, going back to the start of um, the topic we're on now, becoming a referee. It was never like I said, never in my mind. Uh, I was just happy playing and and working and doing the normal things. And then it weren't until um, my dad's brother, my uncle. He'd come to the end of his playing career just locally over the park, and he, he wanted to keep in the game. So he he was the one that took out, took up the refereeing course out of the out of the blue, really. And he he told my dad, um, you know, if you're packing up, because he was a couple of years, you know, similar kind of age, a couple of years in it. So he said, if you're thinking about packing up, he said, I've I've, I've just took the referees course. So he said, you know, if you're saying we're thinking about, it, you know, it's quite interesting. So my dad had a little think about it and. He said, I don't really want to go on my own. He wasn't bothered either way. He said, but it's something that keep him fit because by then he's sort of like about 40, early 40s. Yeah, so yeah. He thought, well, yeah, his brother's done it. He recommends it. Let's 
So he, he just asked me, but by then I'm only 21 and I'm still playing. So he said, do I want to come along? Oh, I'm not really, not really bothered. Um, but there was just keep my dad company and what harm could it do to learn the laws of the game, which yeah. I think I think that really everyone really should know that plays football um, from school, you know, from school age and, and all the way up to like coaches and because I reckon that a lot of players, even professional players, I'm pretty sure that a lot of them are not really that familiar with all of the laws of the game, in, you know, in, in the handbook. No, I think, yeah, I think that's that's exactly it. And I think... Yeah, which causes a problem, doesn't it? Because, you know, they're arguing, you know, they're arguing things on TV mm-hmm. and all the youngsters are seeing that. And then they think, oh, you know, he's done it. He's done it on TV, he's done it. So I'm going to try that. And it, yeah. it's very hard to keep and retain retain referees these days because of, you know it's very difficult you're on your own yeah and that you know I do I do coaching as well and um, you know I think what's really good now growing up in in for the children is that like we have like the respect banners up and things like that the games and, and stuff like that which we never had growing up when we were playing and things like that and I think um and hopefully they're being educated more earlier on about the yeah. importance of respect for um, for the referee and the officials. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, it's I think I think it's something that's just, just always going to be there. And we we'll touch upon the next technology that's coming to to football as well. Uh, Whether yeah. I think there always be will be talking points, but but then again, that's what makes football interesting, isn't it? So. It is, it definitely is, and uh, it's still even talking points now, even with the technology. So yeah. But can I ask? Can I ask though, Gal? Um, you say you're a football coach now. Do you get any um, access to like the laws of the game? Is it is it um, forced upon you? Is it an option, or do you not have? Is it something that you can choose to to look at, or you're not really? Yeah, we get sent. We get sent um, like the laws of the game and things. I mean, particularly like. <laughs> Um, when I first started with the coaching, uh, the team that I'm coaching with my friend at the moment, so he's the manager really, and I'm sort of the second coach that, that sort of helps out. Um, and um, like we've played seven aside, so obviously the the game's different. Um, yeah. And then we move to nine aside, so then uh, the things change. And just yeah. little things like it's it's quite interesting reading up on on things. And they've got this, and you'll probably know this as well that. Um, during, like, I think it's still seven aside or, or nine aside, you can put an extra player on if the team's losing, like, five or six or something like that. So an extra player yeah. goes on and things yeah. like that. Just little things that have uh, sort of adapted and sort of changed. So you mm. do have to keep on reading, reading up on stuff like that. And um, yeah. you want to go in You want to go in with as much knowledge. It's like, you know, you go into five-a-side competitions or, you know, those competitions where... You know the referees are changing and so on and so forth. You have to you have to know what you're, what they're going to deliver if that makes sense. So yeah, yeah, yeah. we definitely do that. And um, the club that I'm affiliated with, they're they're very very good of of making us all aware of of things that are happening and and and, and things that may be changing and so on and so forth. So we're yeah. sent all the guidance and obviously recently we've been sent a lot of the guidance about actually getting the uh, the children back on the grass and, and training again, so. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, so, I mean, I was going to touch on a few referees as well. I really, I don't know if you remember him, but uh, back in the 90s, Roger Milford 
liked him. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just a character, like you know, was not not you know. I think sometimes some of the refs now, you know, trying to be matey and, and stuff like that. But he was like a genuine sort of bloke that I, I found yes. anyway. I quite liked him when I grew up. Um, yeah. Didn't like. Uh, What's his name? Hackett, who sent off Tony Gale in the 1990, yeah, the semi-final. Keith Hackett. Keith Hackett, didn't like him. Um, but, yeah, before, uh, before that incident or, or just after, was it? Just just after, yeah. Um, <laughs> straight after. Um, but, yeah, Roger Milford was a good one. I remember Gascoigne once picking up a referee's card. In, um, he was playing for Rangers. And he picked up the yellow cards and he booked the referee for dropping his cards. Yes, and I, the remember, ref I remember. Grabbed the card off of him and then booked Gascoigne. And I thought, what? Come on, like. No, that's, yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that was a bit harsh. Yeah, a bit yeah. harsh. But Roger Milford would have laughed at that. Um, yeah. But this this referee did weren't having none of it. So. Uh, I remember. But yeah, that. things like that. I had a good. We had a, a, a referee at uni that. Um, there was affiliated, he come and did a lot of our games on a Saturday, Saturday football and things, or even our UV booster games on a Wednesday. And we had a bit of a crowd one game night, some of the, like our friends and friends of friends come to watch and stuff like that from the uni. Yeah. And um, like he was a really nice fella, like um, I think his name was Kel Kelvin it was. And um, I was I was like set piece, so I'd take all the free kicks and things. It was on the, on the uh, side of the pitch by, I'll say the fans. Um, and, uh, the skinheads. The skinheads. Yeah, no, it weren't them. These are nice, not these. Not <laughs> these are our fans. Um, but he was like, "Oh yeah, take the free kick from there," sort of thing. So every time he turned around, to he, he'd run towards the area. I'd move the ball forward about five yards, and yeah. I'm turning around having a laugh and a bit of banter with uh, with the fans, going, "Oh look, look, it's funny and it like that." And uh, yeah. he's turned around, he's gone to me. Hey, that ball's moved. I said, what are you on about? The ball ain't moved. Uh, like that. I, said, I said, no, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll move it back for you. So um, anyway, he carried on running. So I went to move it back when he um, when he wasn't looking again. I just moved it forward again. So, but we had that kind of, he must have not, he knew I'd moved it forward. But it was just, I was having a laugh with people behind me, really. But yeah. it was good. he could have quite easily got annoyed by that and booked me, to be fair. Um, yeah. But it was just a bit of a joke, really, and exactly. So, but yeah, was, I was there no assistance for that game? No, no, no linos, like not like official linos, or was it just there wasn't? Um, I don't think there was official linos. So uh, I've made his life even harder there, haven't I? So that's it. Because that's the thing. If you've got that's another another difficult thing when you're a team of officials and you might have like proper official assistant referees like on the line. You you may not have you may not have worked with them before, so they may have a different kind of way yeah. of working. So as a referee, you might be wanting to have a bit of banter, a little bit of banter, and uh, and, and trying to work with the players in a certain way. But you could have a right stickler for the stickler for the laws on the line that you don't really know that well. You've only just met him before the game. Yeah. You've got to work as a team, and and he could be the one that's like being very, you know, over particular and over fussy and causing problems, particularly for the referee as well, because. And, and, and then obviously the players can then pick up on that. So that's yeah. why as well it's, I think, very important when you start getting to the next level up, like semi-pro level, that like, like we used to do, we used to meet up in, um, you know, probably 11 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday, we used to meet up at a certain um, meeting point midway with the, with the two assistants and 
we, we would travel to the grounds nice and early. So we'd all, all go together as a team in one car so we could talk, bit of like, yeah, didn't know them, bit of team bonding, bit of banter. But obviously the players and other people don't really see all this. So you get to know, you know, you know, if you do know them, you know them, that's fine, that's even better. But if you don't, you need to get to know them and you can talk to them, brief them about how you want to ref, how you want to referee the game, even beforehand, because you've done your homework on the teams. Little things like that that you don't really see what goes on. But, you know, we're human beings and we have banter. Uh, and I can and I can prove that by some of the stories we've still got to come. There's plenty of plenty of banter there, but it's it's you got you got to apply it at the right times and there's no good if you've yeah. got FA assessors and you you got guys watching, you know, VIPs watching, yeah, there's no place for banter because they'll kick you off. You you need to be doing a professional job. Yeah, no, I think that's it. When you can, when you can. It's finding that fine line, isn't it? That fine yeah. balance, definitely. Yeah. Um, so we're going to we can we come back to refereeing, but you've got some um, kind of nineteen ninety seven Dagenham Redbridge story. Yes, there is still a little bit of refereeing um, in it. I mean, because with with me being a referee by now for sort of about three years, um, I sort of had a bit of an eye on watching. Not just watching the local football, which was like Daggers being my local club. So apart yeah. from Tottenham, being a Tottenham fan, Dagenham and Redbridge are my local team. Um, always live sort of in the area and around the area. Um, and I had the added, added bonus of, of my cousin who used to play for them, Dean Parrott. And yeah. um, lucky enough, they, uh, as big underdogs, they managed to get to the FA Trophy final at Wembley in 1997 against Woking, who were a big, non, um, big non-league side. So Dagenham and Redbridge were big um, underdogs for that game. Um, and touching on the referee again, he was. Do you remember Jeff Winter? He was the. Yeah. Um, yeah, he went on to. I'm not sure whether that that was the season he might have actually got promoted because what they do, they tend to give him the big games. Yeah. Big, like non-league finals and stuff, playoffs, and then normally that means that that season or definitely they're, they're looking to promote that referee, and I think that might have been. Maybe the time that he might have started, you know, getting getting up to the Premier League uh, games. Right. So yeah, he he was he was the referee, uh, Jeff Winter. Um, it's obviously a nice moment for my cousin to be playing at Wembley. Um, uh, they ended up in that game. They did have a man sent off the Daggers. Um, okay. Ended up losing the game only by the one goal. But most quite a lot of the game, they was only playing with ten men, so they they did well. Hung on well. Um, did you remember, say anything? Did you say anything to the referee? <laughs> From the no, stand? No, no, I didn't. No, no, no you didn't. No, didn't say anything. <laughs> um, but I remember. I'm not sure whether it was Dean that told me or it might have been his dad. That I remember him telling me that um, on that actual uh, cup final day, um, my cousin Dean got cautioned by Jeff. On, oh, right, okay. On the day, and. Back in the day, obviously, because I, I was refereeing as well, so I knew the procedure of what happened when you had to put a caution in. I mean, it's all changed now because it's all done through, through like a system online and stuff. So you basically you put in like the report, yellow card, red card, offence, whatever, and you you click it off and it'll go to the, to the relevant recipient. But back in the day, before all of this, it was all done through like, basically on like on sheets of paper, and you had to like write in the report and the name, where it was and everything. And what you did, as a referee, you would have a copy yourself to keep. You'd give one to, um, you'd send one off to the FA and then you would send one off to the club 
who would then pass it on to the player who would then have to pay the fine for the caution or the sender. Oh, okay. So it weren't until afterwards, after after the actual event, that um, a couple of weeks later, like my cousin got the, the report through the post, like through via the club. So it's gone from the referee to the um, obviously to the club, and then they sent it on to, to my cousin, the player. And yeah, so it's got there as like a like a memento because it's basically got on there caution misconduct caution report and it says um referee uh jeff winter and then it says played at and it's got wembley stadium and then it's got the name of the player right, and okay. he was cautioned for unsporting behavior so basically like a i think they was talking about framing it and just like putting it on the wall so <laughs> it was like a nice little um nice little you know if you didn't get a program for the game at least he's got like a bit of a memory of <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> good that's a good memory, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Nice if you get an opportunity to frame a memory, definitely do it. Yeah. yeah but it still, still relates to a bit of refereeing. And there was a man sent off in that in that cup final as well. So so yeah, interesting stuff there. And then so within like two thousand to two thousand eight, um the, the different leagues you, you were refereeing, assistant assistant referee and, and you wanna talk about some fitness tests here as well, don't you? Yeah, just just to let a few of the listeners know that don't know, um once you once you get through all the park levels, there's like there they used to be, I don't know, it's probably changed a bit now. But there used to be the old you used to be either you started off as a class three referee and then you had to get two promotions to 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 be considered to go on to like the non league thing. So you had to get the basics right, get your assessors coming to watch the games. If you pass at the end of the season, you'd become a class two referee. And then they look for a bit more. Have you got a bit more about you to step up with positioning and just everything, dynamics, dealing with players, game management, man management, etc. Once you got then to a class one, you was you then become, you know, you got into the FA system where you could be like an assistant referee on like, say, the Ryman leagues and stuff like that. Um, and just referee all the local senior league games. Um, but when I first started out, they didn't really like young referees because they wanted experience. They didn't want to put young referees in with like semi-pro players and pro players. So right, okay. it was very much, they, they said you need, when I, when I was sort of 21, when I started, it was like back in the day, you need experience. You need six, seven years experience. But by then right. you're creeping up to like, you know, late 20s. And then, you know, then you've got to get there and you've got to get to all the levels. And then, then by then, you're sort of, you know, how many years have you got left at the top? It's all changed now because, as you can see, the guys that are getting to that age now that are sort of late 40s and they're sort of, they've got to finish pretty much. We need another set of young referees, good promising young referees to come through because, as you know, no referee, there's no game. So Exactly. Important. Think about it. Um, so where are these guys going to come from? You need you need these referees. Um, all, all the old ones are going to be sort of retiring at a similar time, and then you need like a big bunch of guys to come through from through the ranks. Yeah. But I think they realised that later on. You know, a few years down the line, they realised that it's not just experience, but we need to fast track some of the guys as well. Mm. But it was sort of after my time a little bit. So now, even more so now they will encourage youngsters of 16, 15, 16, 17 to do the course, get coaches like ex-premier referees, um, you know, just and really drum it into them to, to show them videos and clips and everything, exercises and seminars and try and get them guys to be like semi-pro level at sort of 21 
Yeah. Whereas when I was 21, they wouldn't even entertain. They said, no, you need five, six years experience. Mm. So times have changed because they're probably realising that it's hard to, to have enough good referees coming through to be able to cope with all the pressures. Well, that's it. And, and you know, as, as you said, like they're, they're integral to the game going ahead without a ref. Um, yeah, and I, I mean, I played plenty of Sunday league games helping teams out and things. And when the ref don't turn up and, you know, you it's get people... Yeah. Oh, we'll do a half and you do a half sort of thing. And then, uh, yeah, um, not ideal. But when it does turn up, you still give him a hard time. Like, when it does, if he turns up late, <laughs> yeah. you're like, I can't get Then you give him yeah. a hard time during the game, but you wouldn't want to do it yourself. A lot of guys wouldn't want to do it. It's not. No, exactly. And that's it. And I think I think that's what you need to, a lot of people need to take into account. Like, um, you know, when they're thinking about how they're talking to officials and, well, actually, would you, well, you know, I'd, I'd say from a teacher's point of view, would you like to be spoken to like that? That's how I would teach it to, to children sort of thing. But, um, but it's like, well, we've, uh, you know, I, there has to be a respect level there. If, I, if I'm not willing to, to do that myself, then I have to respect that, you know, they've gone through all of this process to get to yeah. where they are. Yeah. Um, and actually, that's not, that's not always taken into account, is it? So... I think touching on respect as well, Gal, is like there's not as much respect nowadays from not all, but a lot of youngsters. Um, just in general in society, as we've seen with all like the news around today and that, there's just not enough um, respect in society. They don't. Have, a lot of guys don't have respect for for referees. I know. Yeah, you say they do have to earn it, but you know, with things like the you know the way. You know, you can't have referees going around thinking that I'm the big guy. I'm going to send you off and being arrogant. No one wants that. No. You know, you do. You do. You, you might get the odd few that are going to let let the side down. You know, but they sort of they seem to be in the same category as like you know like a a traffic warden or a tax man, don't they, a referee? Because they're not really, they're not really. They don't, you don't really want to be their mate, do you? you just, they just think, oh, let's turn up, and they don't turn notice of them. But if they want to have a moan, they'll have a moan at the ref. Um, yeah. I think if they're taught at a young age in the schools, um, a bit more education. The same as most things um, that we hear about today. A bit more education. And I think it will go a long way to helping not only the understanding of... They might, they might, they might lay off the referees a little bit more if yeah. they've learned the law we... of the game during school, maybe in like a PE lessons or after school clubs. And then not only can they learn it and they might lay off the referees to allow referees to, to be retained and do well, also, they might even be interested in it. They might not be that good at football, not as good as they they want to be, and think, well, there could be a career. You know, nowadays there is a good career in refereeing if if you're young enough and you've got the right attitude and temperament. You could, you you know, you can do well and go to all in stadiums, not as a player, but as a referee if you start young. So, yeah. I think, yeah, I was going to go into that a bit later on, but I think in schools definitely um, there are. Yeah, I think I think it'd be a good thing to bring that into um, maybe PE lessons or, or some kind of after-school clubs, you know? Yeah, I mean, I've done something sort of, sort of similar. We'd, we'd have, like, you know, the, particularly like if children haven't brought the kit in, for instance, for PE lessons, and not just football, but get them involved in a the, in the session. So, like, even from a coach's point of view as well, what have they done well there? What could they improve on? Um, but equally, um, if there's a game or something like that, then alongside the sports coach or the teacher actually officiating that game as well. We've looked at things like that as well. So, um, yeah. yeah, and I, I, I think I think there's definitely, there's always more work to be done, definitely. Um, yeah. and, and ultimately, you do want people to, 
uh, you know, we want we want players coming through uh, to play the game, but equally we need officials coming through to officiate those games. So, yeah, exactly. um, so um, we've got. Then we move on. To, so, two thousand and eight to thirteen, and you've got some referee highlights here. Semi-pro. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so two thousand and eight was was my next sort of like promotion, really. So. Um, I was talking before about the classes that went like three, two, one. Somewhere down the line, they changed it, so they had like a reshuffle with all the all the grades, and then it went from something like um, levels from like as a newly qualified referee. I think it was nine or ten. It started off depending on your age, if you was a youngster, and then you had to go eight, seven, six in the parks, and then you went senior football, and it went five, four, three, two, one down to zero for for um, UEFA. You know, UEFA refereeing. Um, so then a little bit like grades, you know, like our grades have changed, you know, like the yeah. old O levels and GCSEs and stuff and A levels. So, yeah, so then that, that, um, class one where I was sort of at the, at the pinnacle, cause I was a class one, the same as like a Euro would have been a class one sort of thing. But then when they'd done all the regrading, it was all, it all changed. So then in that now, you know, setting from a 10 to a one. From 2000 to 2008, I was a four, which was okay. And then I got to a level three, which was like conscript refereeing. So refereeing like on the Ryman League, uh, sorry, the Ryman League, um, refereeing like preliminary FA Cup rounds and um, lining on the conference, like where, where Dagenham Ribbridge play. Yeah. So that's the kind of level. So it was a decent level. Um, and going on to actually uh, refereeing again, I, I had an FA Cup preliminary, preliminary game uh, where I was on the line. To, so I would have probably been a level three and the referee may well have been a level two. And it was like um, somewhere in, I think it was like a conference South team were at home and I was playing against a conference team. Okay. So they were sort of the level above what I would normally rest, but I was used to lining them. So FA Cup preliminary rounds, not sure what, what round it was. Um, but just after half time, referee has come over and said, "Like you, you're coming on." He told me I was coming on. So, <laughs> so what have you done? So now, like I've pulled hamstring, whatever he's done. So out of the blue, he's been assessed as well. So there's an assessor watching him. Marketing oh him. right, okay. So um, he's he's basically um, said like, you know, I'll give you a minute. Next time it goes out, blah blah. So anyway, I've. I've Got myself prepared to come on. He's gave me his um, gave me his like his uh, notepad of what he's done. I think he had one caution in the first half, and I had to do all of the second half like referee the game. So it was like quite um, you know, the, the next step above what uh, you know the, the kind of level that I'd be doing if I would have got promoted, which I never did. But um, yeah, about five minutes into taking over from him, um, Giza was going down the Giza was going down the right wing. And then the left back just totally took him out. It was an all-day yellow card without yeah. no, no shadow, just all day long, straight. So got the yellow card out, got got the got the referee's notebook out, got the yellow card out. It's only the guy that he's already cautioned in the first half. Oh, <laughs> five no. minutes after me, yeah, uh, five minutes after me coming on. So I've ended up showing him the yellow and then having to and then note to my to my horror seeing that the referee's already cautioned him because I didn't really take much notice of him actually cautioning yeah. cautioning in the first half so yeah so he, he had to go five minutes after me coming on and then 
that team actually went down to Semin and lost um, lost the game one nil. So, but right. that was like it's still a nice experience that I've actually refereed an FA Cup game, yeah. even though it's not even though it's not like um, the later stages. It's still an half decent game. No, but yeah, there's still one. Like that's the magic of the FA Cup, isn't it? That you know where it starts from before you actually, you know, you think about Wembley. There's a lot of rounds to get through and that. So yeah, to, to be seen. part of that is uh, yeah. is good. Yeah, so nice, nice little. Um, yeah, nice little. And, and going on about the, the fitness test as well, which maybe a lot of guys don't realise. Um, every year we have to, even from a level, I think it's the level five it starts. So by then I got to the four and then the three. But the fitness test um, consists of before before you can start your season, it's a 2,700 metre run, and you have to do that in 12 minutes on a run track, which is all over the country. They did they did that, and also yeah. you have to do like a load of sprints as well, and you have to you know beat you know get to the line before the buzzer went off so things like that you have to do every year and if you don't make any of them the sprints or the long distance run mm. even though the long distance run is not really relevant to a 90 minute game of football um you know it's not that easy i mean if, if you're you've got to be you've got to be quite fit or really trained to to do that and it's not 100 percent relevant to a game but that's that was the has always been the test two seven yeah. So, so on a on a track, you're looking at. I used to just about do the two eight, which is seven um, seven laps around a 400 meter track. Yeah, which in, is in yeah, minutes. which is hard going. Yeah, done that as a footballer. Well, well it, it is when, you don't, when you're not Over a runner. You know, if, if you're not a runner, it's it's something that you have to um, try and see whether you can do it. Really, yeah. It's, it's not. Um, you don't do that in a game, but that that was the test that you had to pass, and yeah. the sprints as well. So yeah, that that was every year that had to be done. Um, and people don't realise, like I said before, the times you have to leave, um, you you have to have briefings before the game with like stewards and with with your team. When you get to like a semi-pro level, you have to have you know pre-match chats. Um, if you don't know them, you got to discuss how you you know how you work and what you want from your assistant. And then you have the game, and then after the game, you get normally debriefed by in most cases an assessor who will debrief you before he sends in the report the assessment and then you then you um before they stopped it you used to go into the boardroom of the home club so you'd be there with all the home officials and the away officials and then they would give you um you'd get sandwiches and a drink and if you wanted you can discuss some of the game but um mm-hmm. yeah not always you know if, if one of the sides are in there that they weren't happy with a decision and then not always um, advisable to, to say too no. much in the boardrooms, but <laughs> and in the end, something did happen, and I think too much was said, or people were getting themselves in trouble with what, some of the things they might have said in the boardroom after the game, and right at certain levels in the conference, I think that did get that it got stopped. Not not because the Cubs, you know, they, you know, they were just ordered to to stop it now. Just let the referees have their drinks in the and their, their sandwiches in the changing room and and let them go. Yeah save any um you know anything being said that might, saying, yeah you still get like non-league papers and you get like reporters and things like that it still happens so you, you got to yeah. be care- very careful and, and same with social media as well things like that you've got to be careful with what you put if you're working with bfa of course yeah no definitely um and then we i tell you what we're 
we were talking about, I'm just going to sort of jump here to, um, yes. you know, your corporate games and yes. your charity game at Averley, because this is yes. uh, a nice little link here as well. So, um, yes. and, and Dagenham Redbridge friendlies. That's it. Let's do that then. Yeah. Um, yeah, a big connection with Dagenham Redbridge. I mean, if I can, I'll first go back on to the, the first original link with, with Glenn Hoddle. So, yeah. um, again, sort of a friendly game. I don't know whether you're aware, he used to... Um, he used to sort of run, um, I think he started off in Spain, like um, he used to run a team where ex, ex-professionals that were released by their clubs through just not being quite good enough, they used to take them on, certain players, and I'm sure he took them to Spain, if I remember rightly, and, and he run like a squad of players and trying to get them links to back into the game at good levels, stuff like yeah. that. Um, and he was back, in, back with his team in, in this area. And lucky enough, because I do a lot of the, the Dagenham games, like the pre-season friendlies and behind closed door, doors games, even lucky enough, the game when I think they had another, what was it, 2010, you know, the game when you couldn't, you said you couldn't get to that game, was you on? Um, yeah, yeah, I went to, I was due to go to a stag do in IP first, so yeah. That was the link, that was the link there to that one. So I think three or four days previous to that, we were just having... They was having games amongst themselves. Um, so it was like more more of a family club to me because I was mixing with them players and then wishing them good luck at Wembley on the on the Saturday. So it was nice. But yeah, they, they gave me a call to do to play uh, to referee the game, to play the Glen Hoddle um, squad team, like you know, the, the sort of the ex ex pros. Yeah. So when they told me he was gonna be there, sort of thirty years on from me watching him in the stands, it was like, you know, a dream come true again. But this time I'm I'm refereeing his side, and imagine he was sitting sometimes in the dugout and sometimes in the stand behind the dugout. Okay. So if you can picture it, he's now thirty odd years on now in the stand watching me as refereeing <laughs> his boys. Yeah. So it's, if you picture it like that, it's like you know he's gone round sort of in full circle. Not not quite that I'll reach reach the heights of his um, fame, but I'm in, sure he was impressed with your performance. In in, in my <laughs> In my little world, it was like you come to watch me ref the game. Yeah, cool. well, yeah, and why not? Yeah, got, you should got, you should stick to that. Yeah, <laughs> got, got got to uh, meet him, photo again. Same as with Sir Trevor Brooking. Photo. Yeah. Um, he signed a ball for me. Had a little chat, and you know that made my day. Um, yeah. And then onto the onto the Avery one that I mentioned to you about, you know, before this, just for a bit of banter. Oh, another link as well, actually. Jack Jack Collison used to play for West Ham. You know him, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, because he was more yeah. probably a bit younger, so he would have been playing when you watched him, I suppose, a bit more. Yeah, probably he sort of started coming through around sort of 2006, 2007, around that time, and obviously his, his career was hampered, wasn't it, for injury, unfortunately. Yeah. So you would have seen him play a few times, probably. Yeah. No, he was probably was he half decent? I don't know, but yeah, I rated Jack Collison. Yeah, I think he would have he would have had a good career. Yeah. Um, similar is around the same sort of time as when you know Dean Ashton was there as well. And Dean Ashton obviously had the the bad injury, and those two players would have been like. You, you could have won to, the league. You could have won the league if they was both fit then. Well, you? you know, we we could have done. You know, if we had Rio and all of them together, yeah, we would have class of '92 Man United. No, nothing on us. So, well, yeah, he was the um, Jack was the captain of. Um, they were sort of like a celebrity, a celeb eleven versus right. um, versus a load of coaches. I think it's to, it was to do with you might have heard of them, um, the baby ballers coaches. You know the baby ballers. Well, I'm not them? sure. 
No. They're like a they're like a coach, um, a, a group of coaches, and they they coach kids from like four, five, six, and upwards to get okay. them into football. And so the coaches were playing like these, um, you know, like a celebrity eleven. So Jack, um, yeah, he he was the uh, captain of the pros, celebrities, and it was about a good couple of hundred, good few hundred people there. Really, baking hot day. The new stadium, you know, the new stadium at Avely. Yeah. The new the new one they built. Yeah, really nice stadium. And um, also, my dad, obviously, being a referee as well, I got him on the line. I refed it. My dad on the line. Um, I actually got my son on the other line, who's not a fully qualified referee, but he was doing a bit at the time. Um, yeah, so we went out as a team. Um, and just for a bit of banter, we, we checked with them first. But just for a bit of banter, strangely enough, where I do um, a bit of mobile DJ work and um, all parties, kids' parties, everything, my dad, uh, he, he has a Spider-Man suit and he dresses up sometimes as Spider-Man and sometimes if we do kids' parties, he'll be like All a right. mascot mucking around. Um, so whenever he gets the opportunity to have a bit of a laugh, he, he will take the Spider-Man suit and he'll stick it on and just make a few people happy and have a laugh. So anyway, we checked with him first before the game and said, look, this is what he... He's brought it with him. He's got the thing. If you Because there's a lot of kids there. It's all like family orientated yeah. game. So he said, if you want... And they said, yeah, that sounds right. fantastic. Yeah, let's do it. So what we do, when, he come, when we come out for the second half of the game, um, instead of coming out in his ref kit, he'll come out in the Spider-Man outfit, but still obviously carrying the flag and running the line. So, you know, they, they, they threw a laugh. They, they've all loved it when they've come out. I mean, we had to delay the start of the second half because he was mucking about with the, like, the, the dancers before the game that were oh. coming off. And he was high-fiving all the kids on the side and stuff like that. So we're... Yeah, I say, come on, we've got to get on with the game. Yeah, we are thinking is, can I ref this one, please? <laughs> so he sort of took over the second half, and I'm just sort of, I'm, the, I'm sort of like playing the bad guy, and he, and he's like the good guy for the crowd. Oh, over yeah. So during the game, something's gone on. I've looked up for, you know, for him to give me a dubious offside. As I've looked over, he's like turning around, giving someone a high five over the other side. So anyway, when the ball's gone out, I blew the whistle. I've called him on. He's like, he's going like, what, what? So I said, come here. So he's come over. I walked onto the field. So, he, so all the crowd, we're just doing it for the crowd. So he's got his hands in here. So what's the matter? I, I've just got the yellow card out and cautioned him. I said, like, not paying attention. Um, you know, like, get in your position. I looked over for your offside. You weren't there. So anyway, the crowd are seeing it all. They're all laughing and shit. Oh, brilliant. And he's gone back in. So yeah, I, obviously, wouldn't, <laughs> you can't caution like your assistant referee, but... Just, just for the banter, we did that. Um, yeah, and I'm sure everyone appreciated that. As you said, they did. So, um, yeah, you need things like that, don't you? And that's, uh, it sounds like a really good experience. I'll tell you another thing that happened. It's just come to my, just come to my memory now. It was just that game. It was just about the time when they just trialled out the, the VAR. So the first time you saw the, the rest oh, yeah. of the screen, the monitors. And it was like, it probably happened like the weekend before. It had just come in, so it was all like new, so and it was a big thing. And I remember, like one of the goals that were scored, the geezer just like dribbled from somewhere. There was not, there was never, never like in a million years anything wrong with the goal whatsoever. It was just you'd run through a few players, no offside, no fouls, no handball, nothing. Placed the ball in, no problem. But as they've gone celebrating, I blew the whistle, and I said, "Hang on a minute!" And I've put my hand to my ear. We're at Aisley <laughs> Football Club. I put my hand to the ear, and he said, "What's the matter, there? What's the matter?" And I've just done the old. Just done oh, the old thing and said, like, hang on, we've got to check the VAR. <laughs> he said, what are you talking about? I said, oh, well, I said, just give us a minute. And I'm just holding that. And then the other said, no, it's all good. And then <laughs> just a bit of banter again, um, yeah. you know, that you, that you need to have, especially in the charity games as well. Oh, definitely, yeah. And um, 
Yeah, we've talked. Uh, we're going to sort of talk a little bit about VAR and that, and obviously it's um, it's something that you know it, it can help the game, but it's it's not necessarily being used correctly to help no. the game, is it? At the moment, I think I think you agree, don't you, with that? No, I don't. I don't think it's helped the game. You can understand why they're doing it. Probably trying to get all the big decisions right in the big, in the Premier League, in the big, big games, big you know European games and World Cup. But I think it's just because they want to get it. They think that they can get it right because there's a lot of money involved in everything. Yeah. But for us, like referees, the fans, the players, I mean, I don't think many people really um, are buying into it. It's, it's, it's just, it's not working. It's, it's ruining like that moment, isn't it? When the goals are being scored and yeah. the, the fans and the players can't celebrate. And the referees, he's being scrutinised all the time and he. And you could almost worry um, that he might think, in his mental state, that he's not good enough because the amount of the amount of mistakes that he's potentially—I mean, before all this VAR, he'd probably think himself driving home, like hundred-mile journey home in the car on his own, thinking, "Yeah, I had a decent game there," and everyone said, "Yeah, good game." But nowadays, he's being scrutinised and potentially six yeah, or seven of these decisions have been overturned by VAR. That's it. And it's kind of like pushing the referee out a bit, isn't it? And I think... It, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of... There's still a lot of work to be done with it, definitely. Um, but then again, I don't think the law, the law sort of got the handball law at the moment is not helping um, no. with that because that's the, my bugbear with it, the amount of decisions that are given or not given and then the same yeah. thing. And I'm not saying like for these, you know, I've played football, so if some someone's quite close to you and it hits your arm, then, mm. you know, that's that's accidental. Um, yeah. It's not done deliberately. Uh, but the law of the game is saying, yeah. well, actually, that's handball now, but they're still not being given, they're even with VAR. So, even, even, on the, even on the VAR, they're still not giving it, are they? So, exactly. So what, what is it? You know, they, they need to look at the laws of the game again, don't they? And, and, they, and then yeah. need to work with VAR to see how it works. Maybe, but, maybe they need to scrap the offside for a change as well. well <laughs> that yeah. seems to be a bit... I mean, there's some of the offside decisions where they're, they're looking at it so many times. And in the event, you know, I mean, surely in a game of football, you want to see... You, you want to see as many goals as possible, not just for the crowd, but it, as soon as that first goal goes in, then, yeah. then the game really starts, doesn't it? Yeah, just, they're talking off for these tiny little offside decisions. Like, it's, it's, you don't want to see these like you know nil-nil games because then teams will sit, you know, hold play for the draw or they won't they won't attack because they're happy. And it's, that's the thing. It's kind of going full circle, isn't it? Where there's a lot of things coming in the game to try and attract more goals and more attacking football, and now it's. It's gone kind of full circle with this, hasn't it? Really, yeah. with respect of you know a lot of goals being chalked off. But I mean, there's always going to be talking points. I think um, it keeps the pundits in jobs, doesn't it? So uh, it does. It does. they've got it's still you know, if, and we thought there wouldn't be as many talking points with VAR. Uh, but actually, what about, one, what about one the other the other day, Gal? Um, I think it was the first game back, wasn't it? On um... The first game back after lockdown, where we had the uh, the ball over the line one, didn't we? The goal, goal line technology, one. yeah. Which is very unusual that one because, as far as I'm aware, that's never happened before. No, um, I mean that's that's thought... something that's been successful, hasn't it? That one, and um, has, yeah, that's yeah. the first time I can remember that happening as well. So, the only yeah. two things, the only two things I could think of, and that's without even talking to anyone, just my own personal thing was well, 
second one might be a little bit uh, banterish, but the first one would have been like where he had like sort of had the, the, his arms sort of covering the ball and sort of cuddling the ball, whereas it might not have got the signal because his arms were like I know you got the post, but he had his yeah. punches, so maybe it just didn't quite catch the little you know the sensor what yeah. it needed. But then the second bit, which is more the bantery bit, was um, after three months of no game, was it that um, the referee didn't change the batteries in his watch, which sent off the beeps, <laughs> and he didn't, want to t- he didn't want to tell no one <laughs> that, that, might, that he's back. That might have been the case. That referee might tell us in about 10 years' time. He probably. might do. He, he probably, either him <laughs> or um, the Premier League probably won't make a statement now, but yeah, it might come out in a book like, later they on. They might do, yeah. yeah. But, um, I didn't recharge yeah. my batteries. <laughs> yeah, he's, he left, he, left, he left it running for three months without a game and uh, that's why it didn't beat. It's, yeah. Who knows? We might find out one day. And, um, and West Ham could end up going down um, potentially on that as well. Well, yeah, that's, that's it, yeah. So, that, was the Aston Villa, that was the Aston Villa game where they got a point. It was Aston Villa, wasn't it? Yeah, so... Uh, so um, if, you want to write, if you want to write him a letter, if that happens, and yeah. uh, see what he says. I might, might well do. Might, <laughs> I might invite him on here. <laughs> Have a, have well, yeah, well, tend, to get, tend to get in the queue. He needs to. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, he can yeah, wait. You can't just jump the queue because he's a no. premier referee. I've got things planned. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, so we talked. Um, we just so we're just to finish off. Really, we talk about. Um, you've got a couple of little stories. Here. You know, you do Dagenham Redbridge Link at Wembley and and um, ex West Ham player as well story. So a nice yeah. little couple of stories to finish off. Yeah, I can't remember what the second story was, but um, oh. I, I know the West Ham player one. What was the other one? Well, I've got daggers at Wembley, the promotion, and daggers at Wembley, daggers at Wembley. Um, it's more so nineties plus, isn't it? Because uh, that's when I I was going over there a lot, Dagenham. I think that was just the one where they, yeah, the one we we touched on where they got. Oh, the twenty ten one. Yeah, it's the 2010 where they got where they yeah. got um, promoted, and where I think I was just working a lot of their, a lot of their games, um, yeah. you know, behind closed doors and stuff, and working with them. So, yeah, I don't think there was nothing, um, nothing more to add on that. But the good one was the um, I was going to a. Do you remember the West Ham? They still do it now. The West Ham. Um, they sort of have evenings where they have pie and mash and like a few West Ham players. At yeah, I've been, to, I've been to a few of them. I, I been, had a few booked actually, um, but they got cancelled. Yeah. Okay. Well, so that's that's where the link is there then. So, yeah, we we had. I do like the um, like the PA system, the microphones and the speakers and stuff for them events. Like, oh, well, okay. I think, I think Andy, I think Andy does some for some of the Tottenham ones. So we need to swap really because <laughs> I'm not particularly bothered about going to the West Ham, seeing all the yeah. West Ham players, and he probably don't. I want to see all the Tottenham players, so yeah, we should, maybe, swap. Maybe, we should do a swap, I think, and um, we'd both be uh, more in our element, yeah, because yeah, you know, it doesn't even though it's nice to see ex ex players if they're not your team, it, it doesn't mean as much, does it? No, you know? exactly. But um, when they are proper legends, and then it's nice because you know, people like so Trevor Brooking, you know, that was amazing, and and lucky enough, I had um, Billy Bonds holding up one of my um. Uh, one of my banners, you know, to promote my thing at one of one of the events. So, oh, okay. oh, that's pretty good. I stuck that on the old social media. Yeah. So, yeah. So that was nice. No, it's a good selling point, that. Oh, and actually, going back to um, when I was wrestling, when I used to ref um, Grace, they used to have a manager called Julian Dix. Yeah. Do you remember him? <laughs> He's oh, one of my heroes growing up. Yeah. Love Dixie. Yeah. 
Yeah, so he was he was um, our manager a couple of times. I refereed, you know, when he started. I don't even know what he does now, whether he's actually... Is he with West Ham Academy or anything? I don't know. No, he was with West Ham with Billich, and then he's with Billich again at West Brom now. He's um, oh, is assistant he? manager there or coach there. Oh, yeah. so he's worked his way up then, like yeah. like a lot of players do. They What they do, they start, don't they, in the non-leagues. Yeah. That's where he was, and then... They try and work their way up to the bigger clubs, don't they? So yeah, never know. One day you might be um, West Ham manager. Well, they uh, no, could do worse. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so going on to the story. Yeah, so I was going to the um, I was going to the Dagenham and Redbridge in my car, and it was like a little bit raining. And as I got to pass the station, Dagenham East Station, just out of the corner of my eye, I see a geezer walking on the phone. It was Tony Gale. Tony Gale yeah. on the phone. So as I was going that way and it was raining, I pulled my window down to the right turn and he's like, who's that? Who's that? He's looking over, he's on the phone. I said, all right, mate. I said, you're going to Daggers, aren't you? Like, because I knew, because I was doing the sound system and I knew he was going oh, to, yeah. I knew he was going to, like, because he's like the host for the events. Yeah, he's and brilliant you, on those nights. Tony yeah. Gale, superb, isn't he? Yeah. And you probably, I think he lives like Brentwood area, somewhere around that way, Billy Ricky. But yeah. um, he, he probably thought he'd have a few beers and he'll get a train, I suppose. And probably walking around in Dagenham, Obviously, a bit greyer now than what he, you know, what you remember him when he got sent off years ago. He's, he's you know, put on a little bit of weight, bless him, yeah. and he's a bit greyer. And you probably wouldn't, you know, you'd be forgiven not to recognise him, even as a West Ham fan, maybe. I don't yeah. know. But yeah, I spotted him only because I saw him at the last one a few months previous and met him. Um, he says, Oh, yeah, he says, You're going there. He says, Yeah, I'll jump in. So I managed to give him a lift, even though it was only a two minute drive. It was raining. Yeah. He appreciated it. He thanked me. Yeah. Um, so I gave him a lift in my car to the to the daggers. But funny enough, even though it's only a cheap version, on my 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 um initial my name's Tony and my initials is G, so I'm Tony G as well, actually. Oh right, yeah, of course you are, yeah. I've yeah. actually I've actually got um a very, a very cheap version of a of a Tony G on my number plate as a personalised plate as well. So <laughs> it's sort of pulled into the daggers with like a Tony G plate and then Tony G's got out the out the passenger side as if I'm a chauffeur in him. The only the only thing is, it wasn't really a prestige kind of car, so they probably would have thought twice because uh, a Vauxhall Sevilla, not quite um, a Range Rover, but it was just a nice little story that I picked him up and we had yeah. you know, matching number plate initials and stuff. And um, nice to say that I've, I gave him a lift. Yeah, and, uh, and he's he's a yeah he's a, he's a character of the game, and those nights are very good. And I've been to yeah, a fair yeah. few with Dad, and um, yeah, Tony Gales, um yeah, he's he's good. Uh, good for a laugh. Yeah, so yeah, so, good, yeah. Good. got a lovely bit of banter, and yeah. he's, got, he's got that in abundance. So yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, so. Listen, that's been brilliant, um, Tony. Thank you for coming on and being my guest. Um, You're welcome. Enjoyed it. Probably, yes. probably run over a little bit. Sorry, run over a little no, bit. No, no, it's fine. No, there's lots to talk about, and lo- there were really interesting stories. You know, your scouting, your experiences, football as a fan, and then refereeing as well. And you've given us a really good insight into refereeing there. So, um, no, thank you. Um, so, any of my listeners who want to make any comments, share their own thoughts on the subject, or would like to appear in a future pod, you can email me at podbitd at gmail.com. So that's pod back in the day. Um, I will read out comments in episode seven. You have been listening to back in the day. Thank you for listening and please pass the pod. Cheers, Gal. Cheers. <laughs>